they call today Silent Saturday. Uh, the only snippet that we get from the text of the Gospels was this line that says that the disciples rested on the Sabbath. This was the in-between day. It was in between the day that Jesus died on the cross and the day that the Gospel stories say that he rose again. Jesus' body had been laid in a tomb before sundown the night before, right as Sabbath began. So Sabbath was this day of rest that had gone all the way back to before the Exodus in the Hebrew story. So apparently from the earliest times, they had taken off every seventh day to rest. It was in their rhythm of life, six days on and one day off. And when they would tell their kids why, they would pass along the Genesis story to their kids. They would tell it orally, and they would tell it like this. See, kids, even when God was making the universe, he rested, and he wanted us to rest too. So we have to rest this day, which, which may sound kind of funny. But the thing about resting is that it's so counterintuitive. I mean, some of you are like, rest, oh, that sounds so good. And, and you, you like prop it up and you're like, no, 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 rest is so easy. We could do that. I love to rest, but do you really? Because look at your calendar. I mean, isn't it funny that an entire culture would have to be commanded to chill, that they would create laws around it? I mean, I, I was recently searching for getaway time for my family and I for like every weekend is booked for the next three months. Anybody with me on this? Rest is a lot harder than it seems because we constantly can feel the need to have to do just one more thing. And silence can be really, really frightening. The thing about Sabbath is this. Rest wasn't just a recuperation event. It wasn't just, hey, let's get some energy back in our bodies so that we can work again. No, the Jews understood Sabbath as more like the celebration. Work led into it. It was like, this is what we're working for all along. We don't rest to work. We work so that we can celebrate, and in that, we'll rest. It's the day that you step back and you look back at what you accomplished and you're grateful and you're excited and you're proud and you're inspired that you got to do this. And, and it's, it's more than that. Baked into it was a strict command that you have to rest. Because like how often does your work week make you feel all those ways? I mean, like if your work week is like mine, you can be like, meh, still have a hundred things to do. Uh, Sabbath was this day in which we stopped anyways, even whenever it's not all done. We just draw this arbitrary line in the sand and we say, whether it's done or not, I'm going to protect this space. It's also this realization that the world doesn't need me to keep turning. It will be okay without me. See, it's a death of sorts in and of itself. Like, I am dead to producing anything for the world's crazy rat race, and the world will survive. The world will survive, and everything's going to be okay whether I'm here or not. It's a death to ourselves, and it's here. It's in this death that the ancient Jews cultivated gratitude. They didn't produce. They didn't consume any more than usual. They didn't go on like crazy vacations. They just took an average day to reset and be thankful whether the work was done or not. Look at how far I've come. Look at what I've done. Look at what I get to be a part of. Look at the people that I get to love and hang out with and remember why I do all the things I do during the week. Because whenever your body rests, it commands the rest of your heart to. 
So that's a tiny bit of backdrop for the Sabbath. Now the disciples, there were a few that stuck right beside Jesus. It, it names John and Mary for sure. They watched him suffer and die on the cross in this story, which most people would not do. And even some scholars doubt the historicity of that because they say John and Mary, uh, the, the gospel say John and Mary stayed because uh, the scholars would say, some of them would say it's just too gruesome and gut-wrenching and nobody could handle seeing a loved one go through this. But the Gospels say that they stayed until he was dead and that some of them placed his body in a tomb Friday evening. And then they came first thing Sunday morning to put spices on the body, which was their common ritual. So on Saturday, it's pretty safe to assume that they wanted to go if they got up first thing Sunday morning. But there's this Sabbath tradition that you don't travel longer than a certain distance, which is roughly a quarter mile. You stay at home, you sit, and you rest thinking it's finished. And it is finished. In this story, there is nothing more that has to be done. Because, like, what else could be done? You can't save Jesus. You can't resurrect him. People don't come back from the dead. This is a foundational part of the story. And we usually skip over it because our culture, our culture is, well, we're terrified of silence. And we don't like to accept no for an answer. Because accepting no, like accepting loss, that takes some time, doesn't it? Recently, my six-year-old wanted to play a video game, and, and I told him no, and he was really upset, and he threw a fit, and I told him that he needed to communicate something to me the correct way and ask him to sit on a bench that, that happened to be right beside the aquarium in our office. And so he sits there, and he's just pouting for a long time, and I'm busy, and I'm doing some stuff while he pouts, and it's about five minutes in, ten minutes in maybe, I don't know, and finally he starts looking at the fish, and he's like, starts to calm down. He's like, Dad, can I feed the fish? And I was like, sure, son, you can feed the fish. Uh, you ready to talk to me yet? And so he starts to feed the fish, and then, like, he eventually comes around to talking to me. But it takes some time, doesn't it? Like, to accept defeat, to accept no, to accept your new reality isn't what you thought it was going to be. You have to process that in the silence, like without busying yourself with another addictive habit, right? You, you know, this undergirds the pattern of the universe, right? Like you had your expectations for how life was going to go and then something happened and it threw you a curve and you were handed this thing that you didn't ask for. You got the call from the doctor and you realized that your life would never be the same. Or your boss finally delivered the bad news that you've been avoiding wanting to hear. Or the one that you love and you were, you were planning on spending your life with said, I can't do this anymore. See, the silence of Saturday is this universal truth of the in-between time. After the hard truth has been laid on you and you move through the stages of grief and you have this moment when the words sink in and the new reality is life will never be the same again. It didn't go how I thought. It's no longer a question. It's not like, oh, well, maybe you can keep your job if you beg me. It's no, your job is terminated and here's the paperwork. It's not, oh, I'll stick around if you change. It's no, I'm gone and here's my new apartment. I got the keys today. Good luck with life. As long as you're holding on to the possibility of that job or relationship or thing of yours, that life that you wanted or thought you were going to have, as long as you hold on to the possibility of it coming back to life and it's not fully dead, you will never be able to fully mourn. 
And if you never fully mourn, you'll never be fully transformed and ready to embrace the new thing in life. Jesus had said, unless a seed dies and is buried, it can never give birth to something new. See, resurrection doesn't just happen because we really want something to not die. That's not resurrection. Resurrection is what happens after death and any possibility from being saved from it. It's not avoiding death. It's going through it. And the tragedy of pop Christianity and pop culture at large is that we always think we can cheat this and we always avoid it or shortcut it. We often like go straight to Easter without ever going through the cross but you have to say it's finished and you have to rest in the silence without your next plan without rushing to fix the thing or move on to the next thing as if as if the thing was never broken or as if you could make it better or as if you'll just trade it out for something else this is the silence that most people are terrified because it's in our darkest moments that call into question whether or not there's anything out there at all Is there anything bigger than me? Is there any purpose? Is there any meaning to my life? Is there anyone who loves me? Or is it just going to be me and silence? And you ever know somebody who starts making plans for the future when they haven't sat in the silence of defeat and you just kind of smell that there's something like, there's something that's not working for that person like deep down inside? Like they have a new lover and it just magically appears days after ending a decades-long relationship. You've seen this happen. Or like they can't be still for a moment and let the, the, the let yesterday just die. Like they can't let that sink in. It's like that one person misses one of the most transformational stages of being human. To just rest in the silence, admit defeat, and see, is there still anything here in the ashes worth being thankful for. See, so much of the beauty of the Jesus story as it's told in the Gospels is locked in this day when nothing happened. Jesus' last words on the cross where it is completed, it's fulfilled, it's done. Jesus didn't need to rise from the dead for himself. The whole resurrection story that we hear, it was like the illustration of this universal truth that the disciples needed to embrace. And it wasn't to teach Jesus a lesson. It was for the world. Jesus wasn't coming back so he could pull an overtime victory versus the Romans. He's taken love all the way to death. That was enough for him. And it wasn't lost on the early tellers of this story that Jesus rested on the Sabbath too. This whole story is a paradigm for how life works. When you've written the last page of your paper and you've clicked submit, even though it wasn't perfect, when you said to that toxic dating relationship, we need to break up even though you weren't 100% sure. When, when you finish that project at work that you've loved and you, you, you wanted to give it a few more tweaks but you had to hand it off or when you bought the car and signed the paper and then you had second thoughts or when you said goodbye to your loved one and you couldn't fully say goodbye. This story is calling you to a Sabbath, to a rest whether it's the work you've done to the world or what the world has done to you, that they both find their culmination in laying them down with open hands and putting them to rest and finding gratitude in the current situation you find yourself in, victory or defeat. And it's only then 
that you can know whether there will ever be anything more.